to the Change Today podcast. Now, I know what you're thinking. Akila, Dr. Akila, Dr. Today, what happened to season three? It's been a year plus we haven't heard from you. Yes, that is true and right. And I don't know if you know, I've been dismantling white supremacy. We had the murder of George Floyd, May 25th, 2020, and I've been busy nonstop since then. We're in a period of racial awakening and reckoning and allyship and accomplice and showing up and figuring out how to do it. And I've been helping businesses all around the world figure it out. But I missed y'all. So we have a limited series where I interview three incredible authors about their book or their process of the book or a little combination of both. And it all ties back to dismantling white supremacy because you know me. Now, I do the same thing as a regular Change Today podcast, which is ask how people are a soldier of change. How are they a change today? Now, because so much has happened since 2020, I'm moving away from soldier, even though that's what today, my last name means. It's more so how are people change agents? How are they affirmed in themselves while doing work that isn't so pleasant? It's a moment to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So tune in. Listen, remember to like and subscribe. And if anything, buy the books, y'all. Books are important. Buy the books. I hope you enjoy this limited series. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Change Today podcast. I'm very excited because the newest love of my life is the guest today. <laughs> Michelle Wee Jung Kim is here, and we're just going to get into it. And I would like to start with you doing the best that you can as a Virgo. So oh, now your you're own putting bio. pressure on me. <laughs> <laughs> I could just read it off my book. You, if you want to, you can. No. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Michelle Mi Jung Kim. I am a queer Korean American immigrant woman. I am an activist. I am a writer. And I am also a fan of Dr. Kadeh. Oh, my, thank you. That's it? That's all we're going to get? I think so. <laughs> mm. Okay. Well, I just want to add a couple things. <laughs> Um, you're also an entrepreneur. That's true. There's done that. You have a past life in tech. Mm-hmm. You've done that. Um, something that I love that you say, a few things, a lot of things that I love that you say, in order to spark lasting and meaningful change, you were doing so many different things and how you're showing up in the space, in the world, from your book to the work that you do and in your interviews. Um, but you also talk about how you want people to drop into discomfort. Mm-hmm. And I love to tell people to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, complexity and accountability. So drop into discomfort, complexity, and accountability, which is why you have your book. Um, <laughs> and how you believe that everyone is, is worthy of dignity, right? That's right. And humanity. And I really hate, and I don't like to say hate, but I really hate that, that that's sometimes the work that we both are into, um, so what do you hate about it? Racism. Mm. <laughs> and you hate the fact that that's the work that we are having to do. Well, I just hate the fact that BIPOC people, black indigenous people of color are in positions where they have to solve problems that we didn't create. Mm-hmm. We happen to both be very good at it, you know, so there's that part. And I do love the work that I'm doing, but it's exhaustive work. Of course. Yeah. Right. Exhausting. Yep. So, 
dramatic pause there. Yep. <laughs> if you could see our faces. <laughs> it just really is because I'm always like, well, do I want to keep doing this? And I'm like, I, I want to be valued, seen, and heard. So, yes. Yeah. And then other days I'm like, this isn't fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I think the, ca- um, the camera, <laughs> the mic probably captured my stomach growling. Cut that part out. Um, but I love the conversation we've been having about doing this work with rest and prioritizing ourselves. And I think that's what um, is coming up for me as you say that. As you say that, and I also reflect on my last number of years of doing this work and how much I've realized I've been doing this work from a place of trauma and scarcity and desperation and so much pain. And I'm increasingly curious about what it's what it would be like for me to do this work from a place of abundance, love, care for myself, not just other people. Um, because what I'm realizing is me doing this work from a place of trauma and pain and making myself expendable is just repeating the same patterns of violence that I'm trying to dismantle. <sighs> yes. <laughs> so, Yes. Super excited about this conversation. So for me, I guess, um, with that, what I wanted to say and thank you for is that doing something like this um, helps me to center in our joy that we get to feel together. So thank you for doing this well, with me. Well, that's why we have, like, a love affair. So <laughs> let's tell the listeners how we are meet cute. Um, it's the murder of George Floyd. It's <laughs> 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 unfortunately or fortunately how... We came together. So um, you had your firm at the time, Awaken, mm-hmm. and the demand was through the roof for mm-hmm. what you needed. So you were intentional in your privilege that you have, because mm-hmm. we all have privilege. Some have more than others. You were intentional about making sure that you could create this public document for other BIPOC-owned firms. There's a lot of centering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. And, and black firms, black-led, black women, they say, whomever it was. And so people are like, you should get on this list, get on this list, get on this list. And I was like, okay. And then a couple DMs on LinkedIn. And I got really serious on Instagram. And then I had to wait for you to finish your book. And then in June, we finally got together. Was it June? I think it was June. Yeah, I think we July? met in person, right? Like, not too long after I finished my manuscript. Yeah, you're yeah. like, I'm done now. And I'm like, okay, so when are we... <laughs> What are we getting together? Um, but I can't stress enough how I think you came at the right time for me because I had so much to do and it was happening so fast. Mm-hmm. And processing that the very thing people wanted me for was what has traumatized me in the past. Mm-hmm. So being bullied, discriminated, too smart, too educated for being black or not black enough or whatever that thing was. And now all of a sudden people are like, what does Dr. Kade have to say and lead the way? Mm. And I'm like, catch up. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Why now? Like I've been having all, I had all, and I still have from time to time, those feelings and emotions that come up. But I think it's important to note that the inequities, bullying, harassment, discrimination we experience in the workplaces are how and why we've been led to do this work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's also important to center the lived experiences of people who experience those things. Right. And that's 
what led me to starting Awaken was because I was so uh, disillusioned by the work of what so many people know as diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. in the corporate space and tech space. And so much of what I saw was work that was being done and led by people who have not experienced the type of oppression and marginalization. Do you need white people? White-led and whitewashed things were happening (laughs) in the name of diversity and inclusion. And I, um, I felt like it wasn't only effective, but it was actively harmful to center white voices and white people's perspectives and centering whiteness in all of it. And so for me, it was important for me to create a team that reflected our values, right? Um, Majority of our team being black and brown and immigrant and uh, queer and trans and having our lived experiences be the center of the work and not shying away from that Um, and creating compassionate space for uncomfortable conversations was kind of our mission and doing that by centering the most marginalized experiences while doing so. So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Do you like where you are now? I do. Okay. I do. I um. I think it's taken a while for me to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, and by like, I mean I'm I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm not. Um, I'm not in a. Well, I don't know how do I how how should I say that? It's a good question. Do you like? Do you like where you are? <laughs> This is my fault. Um, I feel that I'm, well, if you would have asked me three days ago, I'm like, oh, I'm in this place of peace. I'm just at ease with all the decisions of what I'm doing, but I've had twists and turns recently, so I'm like, the fuck? So. Yeah. But peace rising, you know? Peace rising. So I feel like getting there. I will get back, you know, into that place. I. I, I cried very hard this week because I'm really tired of taking care of other people and I just want to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And part of that is like, you know, asking for help as a Virgo. We're both Virgos, mm-hmm. which is really important that everyone knows. Um, th- that can be hard, but when people are like, I can't make a decision without you, or what does Dr. K have to say about this, or let's get her on, and can you do that and navigate, and then this, this, and that on top of, you know, making sure that my my money is there to keep running a business and pay employees. Sometimes I'm just like, I just want someone else to make my dinner or do something where I can talk about myself mm-hmm. and I don't have to talk about other people's problems. OPP. OPP. And sometimes it's OWPP. Uh, yeah, I, that resonates. And I, I think the way that you exist in this world as, as prominently as you do and as loudly as you do, um, that takes a toll, you know, people always say, you say to me when I, um, was running the, the company, just, oh, you're so courageous. You're so brave. You're so passionate all these things. Right. And sometimes I wondered how much of that was by choice or because I felt like there was no other way, right? Yeah, when you talk survival. about survival, yeah. when you talk about, um, you know, having, being responsible for other people, it's not just other people's problems, but it's also other people's livelihoods, right? Oh, when you absolutely. are an entrepreneur <laughs> and uh, you as a black woman, um, 
by, by design, people putting additional emotional labor burden on you to solve their discomfort or shame or guilt, all of the above. So I hear you and uh, thank you. And I hope you (laughs) find more spaciousness. I mean, I hope so. I, you know, the interesting thing is like, the alternative is going back to the nine to five space that traumatized me. Mm-hmm. And I, just, I don't have it right. right to do it. Me either. And then, you know, now that I carry the, um, the very cool accessory of being disabled, I, there's no job that would allow me to have multiple physical therapists and regular injections and these appointments and that. That's like right. I, it wouldn't happen because it, the system isn't designed for that. So I couldn't even be my best self. Maybe, you know, not worrying about money because I would get that salary, but I couldn't be my best self there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I live in this cyclical life of physical pain from my body and then the emotional pain of doing this work. Yeah. So i rather have this type of trauma <laughs> that I've created opposed to someone else's, you know, because it doesn't mean that I still can't, like, laugh and find pockets of joy and all this other stuff but it puts a lot in perspective yeah Mm. as a daily choice and um lack of choice Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. you know daily Mm -hmm. that's a good way to say it yeah definitely so um how are you a change today like how are you a change agent how am I a change agent? Um, I think that everybody is an agent of change. And uh, for me, reminding people of that and holding up the mirror to myself and to other people on a daily basis, I think that's probably one of my, um, one of the ways that I create change is reminding people that we all have that power. You actually say it as, I believe we need to practice both compassion and criticality for ourselves and others to create sustainable change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the premise of this book for me is the notion that in order for us to create change and transform the world, we need to create change and transformation within ourselves, right? Which is what um, Grace Lee Boggs, somebody I really um, learned a lot from and looked up to, whose work really inspired so much of what I wrote in the book, um, repeated over and over again, right? And there's such dissonance between, cognitive dissonance between what people say that they believe in versus what they do and what they practice in, in their day-to-day lives and what organizations, as you know, do in terms of their performative statements not meeting the expectations that they set for themselves um, and becoming performative and harmful over the long haul. So I think being everybody having the capacity to change and transform, not only the world, but starting with themselves is, I think, what really grounded me to do this book. <sighs> yes. Well, I mean, it's almost like you want them to wake up. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how that happens, right? It's like... and. Oh, let's wait till the motorcycle passes. You're very committed. I don't get that. I don't get that. I get at that all. your penis is small. I get it. <laughs> Thank you. I hate that. Um, so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> we got this. Um, so the wake up people. Some, somebody asked me. So what are people waking up to? 
And for me, of course, it's people waking up to the violence that exists in the world, right? When people woke up to the realities that they have been living in for a long time in 2020, summer of 2020, with the murder of George Floyd, people were waking up to all of these um, injustices that they were not attuned to. So that's the one layer of waking up that we do, right? It's to the external violence that is ongoing Mm -hmm. and waking up to other people's struggles. But I think perhaps even just as important, if not more important, is our waking up to ourselves, our complicity, our involvement in systems of oppression, and as well as our capacity to transform ourselves in order to be a part of the dismantling force rather than the complicit force. So that to me is really what summarizes the book is it's helping us not only wake up to the external world, but to ourselves so that we can live in alignment with our values and who we say we want to be and how do we do that on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to say brush your teeth, put on your deodorant, check your bias, check your privilege. Every day. Like that routine. Yes. That routine. If you're not doing it on Saturday because you're sleeping, fine. You know, whatever. Do that. But, but still check your privilege. Please. <laughs> check your privilege. Um, you cannot wear deodorant that day, but mm-hmm. check your bias, please. I would greatly appreciate it. Well, I mean, your book is The Wake Up, Closing the Gap Between Good Intentions and Real Change. And I think that's really what's missing a lot of the conversations. People want that immediate white dominant culture, white supremacist culture, sense of urgency. Like, I did it. I did allyship. So mm-hmm. leave me alone. Opposed to realizing that it's a behavior change. It's an attitude change. And it's starting with self and accountability and then moving outwards. Um, I love your white supremacy is over a chapter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> white supremacy is dismantling white supremacy is my love language. Um, but I just want to read one of my favorite quotes. There were some people who were cool enough to go to a dinner oh. to celebrate you, and I was one of them. And um, people were looking at the book and finding their quote, and I just sat on mine because I knew I had other time to tell you my favorite quote. Okay, so um, a part of white supremacy's function is to disguise its ubiquitous manifestations and to make them difficult to name, thereby existing in the shadow, but also the light, all at the same time that is my favorite quote because it's like at the same damn time it's like literally (laughs) what is happening and a lot of people do not see those conditions I love how you compare the light and the dark which is important because that's what white supremacy is Mm -hmm. so at the core of it white supremacy actually isn't bad and I know a lot of people are like wait what do you mean I would love to drive down the street and not get pulled over I would love to have access to wealth I would love to have not be discriminated when I go to the emergency room all the time. I would love to have an opportunity to grow in a workplace and not have the trauma and the reason why I created this job. I would love to be able to call law enforcement, but I can't do that. I don't have the privilege to do that because I don't feel safe. I feel like I will be harmed or traumatized, won't be seen, valued, or heard. The reason why we have white supremacy is because only white people benefit from the things that all human beings should have in this world, in this country. Um, So I'm really passionate about white supremacy, but more so knowing that if folks can have a conversation about white supremacy, then they are willing to do the change in which you're speaking of for the daily accountability. If not, they're basically saying, I want to really lean into being performative, performative allyship, performative action, 
performative, any A word that you want to stick in there, opposed to actually doing the work. And you talk a lot about doing the work. Um, anyway, that's my favorite quote. Thank you. There's a lot of bookmarks so that much. I have on my online version <laughs> of the book. Um, <laughs> so I can scroll through them, but I, I just, well, first of all, I will say it, your book is fantastic. Thank you. I tell all my clients about it. Thank you so much. <laughs> to read it. It's like, listen, I don't have time to talk to you, but you can read this book. In fact, go to this chapter and circle back. Circle back. Let's have a conversation. But you are speaking the truth on so many levels for what people can do themselves, how it shows up in the workplace, and how it shows up in society. I'm curious to know what was the hardest part for you in writing this book because it does elicit trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and you're doing it in a white supremacist system called the publishing company. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but thank you, one, for reading it and for recommending it to so many folks. And um, I also love that the feedback that I've been getting from people, one, is that it's something that, for some people, is taking longer than they expect it to read because they keep finding themselves needing and wanting to pause mm. and really reflect on it and to come back to it with real introspection. And I but are those love white people? that. No. Oh, okay. A lot of um, people of color, actually. Wow. Yeah. And I think that was probably something that I was really mm. acutely aware of when I was writing this book, is how do I write this book not for a white audience only, right? Of course, white people will benefit tremendously from reading this book, full stop. But how do I not create work that is rooted in me wanting to show up for white people? What does that look like, right? What, what does that look like for me to not center the white gaze in writing this book? Because I did not write this book for a white audience, um, And uh, there was an explicit request for me to actually write a book on allyship for white people. And I said no to that Mm -hmm. Um, because I know when we talk about dismantling white supremacy, so many people think that that work is just for white people, but it's not, right? It's for all of us, regardless of our race, Mm -hmm. because as you said, white supremacy is in the light and the darkness and it is the air that we breathe, the water that we drink. So I think it's um, important for all of us to check that. Um, and I think that was probably one way that I was trying to practice that while I was writing this book mm-hmm. is I am um, going to need to be really deliberate and intentional in writing this book, not for the white gaze. Mm-hmm. That means that I am not serving my trauma stories in order to satiate the appetite of white readers because that's so often what happens is white, um, the white audience, because that's what they've been trained to want and um, bask in Mm -hmm. is the trauma stories of BIPOC people. Um, And I was, I needed to be really thoughtful about my exploration of my trauma Mm -hmm. and deciding explicitly why and how I wanted to share that. Um, And not only in service of the readers, but for me, right? What does it look like for me to process this? Um, And that was, that was, that was tough (laughs) writing some of these chapters, especially the ones where I got really vulnerable. Um, There were some chapters that I actually, I, there were chapters that I wasn't planning on writing 
when I pitched this book. It wasn't in the proposal, but it made its way into it because the evolution happened during the writing process, which I'm super excited for you to go through (laughs) when you start writing your book, which I know is going to happen very soon. Stay tuned, folks. Um, Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like the chapter on the uh, Atlanta shooting, that was not Mm -hmm. planned, right? Obviously, I didn't know that was going to happen. No, you did not. And that brought up a lot of stuff in me that I wasn't expecting. You did it so beautifully, though. Thank you. Because it it was this mix between it feeling like in the moment and very fresh, but also, you know, having this veil of anger, acceptance, processing, understand it, but not okay. Like, it was just this beautiful way mm-hmm. to not feel, to have validation for the reader of, like, the fuck was that right. you know like that part was very clear and what yeah. does this mean now and have people forgotten yeah. right as a result of that and I think all of that came out beautifully in, in the chapter of the book thank you um, and I, me reading it because I'm a nerd since to be editor I was like oh this was definitely edited <laughs> so not in the, how it came out but it's just because the amount of time it takes to write the book yes yes this year yes. you know um, and so it's it's great that, that you have that in there did you did you feel you got everything you wanted out in this book? Mm, or a good amount? I don't yes. think we'd ever get it out. But right, out. yes. Yeah. And I'm, um, I think it had to be this way. Like, mm-hmm. I think this book, for me, feels complete. Um, not in terms of, like, of course there's a million other things that I could have put into it. Right. And But I kept reminding myself, that's for the second book. That's for the second book. The, for the second book. Are you already, um, you were no, already no, thinking no. about the second book? No, 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 no. Not at all. Not Wait, at all. Um, but that was that was the the mantra that my agent kept telling me because like, I was overwriting. Over overwriting. I have like hundreds of pages that I wrote. So you do that didn't make book. it to the book, and you um, could be like, <laughs> "You up? You up? Yeah, still up? Still up?" Yeah, I'm not even close to thinking about a second book. Not right now. Um, basking in the. Um, I'm I'm resting. <laughs> I'm trying to rest. I'm not yet resting yet. I yes, I've heard of rest. Um, <laughs> what is that? What, what is, is a rest? What is a rest? Yeah. <laughs> I um, you've we, we've talked several times, but um, we both struggle with self care. Mm-hmm. I think as Virgos, and I think the nature of doing this work and like being caretakers as Virgos, it, it comes up. Um, so have you started to rehearse what you're going to say when people ask you that? You know, um, <laughs> yes, but I don't think, I think it's, um, there's so much of all of this that I intellectualize versus embodying it, you know? Mm. So I think I talk a lot about actually how we need to create a culture of care by dismantling the conditions that traumatize continuously, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that I wrote in the book about um, holding trauma with care and how we need to go beyond the self-care rhetoric that has been so commodified right that it's not about us doing a weekend trip to a spa which is great but that does (laughs) not prevent us (laughs) from experiencing the kind of trauma that have um that have us needing to care for ourselves so intensely over and over again totally right so what does it look like for us to go beyond self-care to creating a society where the same type of violence that keeps traumatizing the same 
groups of people mm-hmm. over and over again, um, addressing that becomes the priority. Right. All of that to say, no, I'm not practicing self-care really great right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, one way that I am trying to prioritize myself and self-care is um, trying to do this work from a place of joy. And finding what feels good for me and actually relearning what fun looks like. What is a fun? A fun, I heard, is something that people feel (laughs) when they are, it's it's a feeling of levity, it's silliness, it's the the things that I did not prioritize feeling when I was running my company or working inside toxic systems. Um... And uh, I am curious about what it would look like for me to continue doing this work, but from a place of really prioritizing community joy and care for mm-hmm. myself and other people. Um, and in two weeks, I'm going to Disneyland. I was hoping you would say that. Um, <laughs> That'll be fun for me. Uh, it will be. Please have a churro. I will have multiple churros. Okay, that makes me feel better. Yes. And I have the Mickey Mouse beignets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to have that. Okay. Very excited. Just carbo load. Oh, 100%. But it's fine. You don't get your steps in. I'll walk, and I, I, I'm not afraid of carbs. Love them. I <laughs> had pizza for breakfast. Um, I love hearing your conversation take wisdom um, on self-care because it has been commodified. I, so many things. So many things. So many things. So many things. So many things there, but... I, too, am looking for ways to tap more into my joy. And asking for help is one of them that I'm... Yes, asking for help is hard. But, you know, you made it really easy for me to say, just say yes to things. Because you are just, because you're a Virgo. (laughs) And uh, as somebody who's steeped in the work um, through so many, like, compassionate lenses, I feel like you've offered me a lot of ways for me to say yes to getting support, which I'm very grateful for. Oh, you're very welcome. I feel like <laughs> I'm not I'm not done with getting you more support. <laughs> um, and all the in any facet or area of your life. But also how I, I'm gonna just hold up the mirror uh-huh. and have that reflect back to you so that you can keep asking yourself what kind of support you need. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> You're like, uh, discomfort. it. I am doing it. I'm, but I'm, I'm also realizing that I'm pretty good with my boundaries, but having more boundaries around my time. Mm. So, like, I don't work on Fridays. It's Friday. It's <laughs> day. We're doing this. This is not work. <laughs> did some other things. Um, but for the most part, I'm like, I'm, I like to feel that I'm firm yeah. with my boundaries. But even in these, like, acts of self-care, like going to the spa or traveling, um, I go into that knowing I have so many barriers to get to relaxation. Yeah. Um, So the example I typically use is, you know, if I'm, as soon as I go to the airport, machines don't see my hair. Mm. (laughs) So I will get pat down. Or I'll have to take off my braces. You know, it's like a whole process to go through that. And I'm randomly screened because I have an Arabic name. So that's fun. And then when I get to the gate, um, I'm asking, like, for pre-board or something. Then that could be a whole situation. But if I ask for pre-board and I say I'm disabled, nothing else happens. You just have to accommodate me. But because I don't look like I have disabilities, it's like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm in business class or 
wherever I'm sitting on the plane, um, where I'm not supposed to sit, so business class or higher, it's like, is this your seat? <sighs> you know, and it's like, it's, mm-hmm. And then I make it to the resort because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a fancy bitch. I'm mm-hmm. like, four stars or higher um, <laughs> when I'm living it up. It has to have room service. If not, why am I there? Why am I there? Take me with you. <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> well, we maybe need to do a solo trip, but um, sees how to get sponsorship. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to make that happen. But um, but even when I'm like at the hotel, it's like, oh, you're Dr. Kaday. Because sometimes they will expect that it's a man of mm-hmm. any background. And then I make it to the pool or the beach, whatever. Yeah. And if I want a towel, then it's like, I need to see your room card. Right. Where for the white person, it's like, how many do you need? Let mm-hmm. me bring them to you. Let me get you some fresh towels. Like, so even when we're doing these acts of like wanting to do these self-care things, because of our intersectionality and our identity, we still have to navigate this other stuff. And so that's why I'm like revisiting my boundaries. That's why I love my fireplace that I have. It's just like, fucking look at my fireplace because no one can interrupt my fireplace yeah (laughs) like it's mine and what am I doing at home and making my home homier or whatever so I can have safe space yeah and safe time safe dedicated amount of time to like pour back Mm. into myself which works to a certain extent because then it's like see this is not fair that I have to like find these pockets of like um, optimum safety yeah so that I don't have to deal with the world. Right. And it's also why I get well, why celebrities have bowling alleys. And like in their house. Like I get, it's like, I, I, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go to a regular bowling alley where I'm going to be discriminated against yeah, exactly. and, and profiled. Right. <laughs> so or just or her even recognized because that right. happens too, which is very odd. Yeah. But you know, it's just wanting to have a place where you don't have to be on. Yeah. And can be celebrated for being off. Oh, so good. I thank you for sharing. Um, that makes a lot of sense in terms of why it is not only hard to get ourselves to take care of ourselves, but the systems that we are living within are not built to prioritize our caring for ourselves. Um, and uh, I, I go back to talking about capitalism and racial capitalism and why it is so hard, even when we are setting boundaries, if we are part of the racial capitalist system that it becomes really, really difficult for us to set boundaries because that conflicts with our ability to survive, right? Yeah. And especially as an entrepreneur, like, that's why I have a lot of um, empathy for you as, <laughs> as an entrepreneur who's been through that uh, journey where when you are in the capitalist system and even when we want to create the most equitable and inclusive company, there are systemic barriers, literal policies that make it incredibly difficult for you to do that. Yep. Even, I mean, talk about benefits, mm-hmm. right? How much money we need to be able to afford at a certain level or even have access to certain levels of care um, and being able to provide the best benefits for folks or even when we were working at, um, we got our first office space. The building that we rented from, we, it was a tiny little square office. I don't think you've been. Um, it was down, downtown Oakland. But that was that's what we could afford um, when we were starting out. And uh, the building didn't have gender-neutral restrooms. And wow. uh, what does that mean for 
people who we end up hiring who you um, are trans, yeah, right? right. Yeah. And having to let them know in advance this is a situation, and we're petitioning, we're we're trying to um, ask the building management to at least change the signs, right, right, so that anyone can go to any bathroom. But that's a real structural barrier that we run into, um, yeah. and not being able to do the right thing that we know the right thing. Right, but not having the the access or the resources to be able to afford that. Right, um, and then your workplace then becomes by design not inclusive or equitable, mm-hmm. and navigating all of that as a marginalized person. Right, so there's complexity even in us trying to p- pave our own path because we're still doing so in the, within the confines of white supremacist and capitalist system. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's very true. I mean, I've been working on my little mini empire for a very long time now, um, but I'm wanting to create and build an empire that has a lot of passive residual income so I don't have to put time and energy into it. So it's like I'm doing all this work because I want to be able to do less work. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, like, there's that, and then, you know, again you know, like employees and all this other stuff. And then am I going to sacrifice X amount for this type of partnership for my goal, not money, but like my goals or like directions, very rarely money. And then, you know, or am I just going to stay firm to what I have and just not do that? But what if, if I do this, maybe it'll get me closer to having more money so I can do less of the thing, you know? So it's a lot. I, I personally feel like if we could just flip capitalism and there's just nothing but, people who had hearts that had money, <laughs> they wouldn't have a lot of money. Like, the world would be a, a better place. Hmm. Yet, if the world was a better place, we wouldn't be gainfully employed. <laughs> you know? So, like, after last year, everything that was happening, it's like, okay, well, I had a good year. We saved whatever money I could save. Got to figure it out. And then January 6th. Twenty twenty one happened. I mean, so many things happened. Ugh. Well, then people caught up to stop APA hate. Yep. Impeachment stuff. Um, we still have kids in cages. Still do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> migrants and migrants like there's all the yeah, yeah all the things are still happening and have been happening for a long time. It's very true. So how do you keep being amazing? Uh <laughs> You told me you were gonna ask this question. I still, I didn't think about the answer actually, um, because I feel like I don't know how you're amazing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and that's the problem. It's not that I don't think that I'm um, amazing. Amazing is such a word that's like, yeah. I, you know, like that's wow. I'm having a moment. I'm like, well, shit. I mean, do I wake up in the morning and say I am amazing? Like, that would be awesome, actually. I should I do feel, that. I, I mean, it's on my that. phone case. Obviously, it's on my shirts and sweaters. Keep being um, amazing. Yeah, but I have that. But it's intentional because I used to start to sign many years ago. My email's signature would be, like, keeping amazing. And they were like, thank, thank you. Like, that question, thank you. And then it's either like, yeah, thank you for seeing that. Or, am I? Amazing. Is there more that I need to do <laughs> yeah. to be amazing? But it got people to kind of like think about stuff. Yeah. Um, and then my mantra is get up, be amazing, go back to bed. Mm. So that's what I do. Um, 
And if I can't feel amazing about myself, then right? I definitely can't do this work or be in a position where I get to finally marry up to someone I love and not sacrificing my morals. Marry up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I want a team. I would love to do Pilates on Wednesday at like 10.30. Do it. No, I can't. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Okay, we're going to have that conversation. Okay. We can <laughs> totally have that conversation, but, or I'm tired. Mission Wednesday Pilates at 10. <laughs> Um, how can I keep being amazing? Um, you want me to tell you? Yeah, tell okay. me. Well, <laughs> I think you keep being amazing by sacrificing a certain amount of your happiness to change the world. I mm. think that's amazing. I think the simple fact that you're able to lean into this work on a regular basis with healthy boundaries is amazing. I think your fashion sense is amazing. <laughs> I think Mara Hoffman needs to give you more dresses. <laughs> Um, just so you can continually be amazing but honestly not everyone can convert trauma into joy and you do that on a cyclical basis I get that but overall you've been able to overcome some pretty um, horrific and sometimes profound or mix both of those things and show up authentically and I think that's amazing thank you thank you um, I hope that the, I, cause I agree with you in terms of sacrifices. I don't know if I would call them sacrifices. I would call them sacrifices. No, I think you're right. In terms, I like to say temporary sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know this is kind of what I have to go through, but I don't want to sacrifice my soul. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, it's the fact that I've made myself my own well-being, my mental health, physical well-being, mm-hmm. um, expendable in order for me to do this work. And I don't, I don't want that to be something that people uh, applaud, right? Because that's not, that's not good. That's not at all modeling what I preach mm-hmm. um, because I am repeating the patterns of violence by doing that to mm-hmm. myself. Um, and the fact that I have suffered from, you know, years of depression, anxiety, and ended up in the ER multiple times over the course of last whatever, however many years that mm-hmm. I've been pushing myself. None of that is amazing. So I I am starting to like myself prioritizing me more and more. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but I am trying to do that intentionally. So I feel like that's amazing. And one thing that I can say about myself is I do try really hard to be as honest and authentic as possible every day, mm-hmm. wherever I am, whether that's on social media, whether that's on um, during my you know professional work or in interpersonal relationships. I hope that whatever, wherever people see me is the same person across. And I like to think that that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's very cool. <laughs> Thank you. I, I feel, I tell you this all the time, I feel like your goals, because... You know, I aspire to be in a place where I less in the day to day of things. And just listening to you talk, I'm reminded of how I was on a plane and I had chest pain and made an appointment on the plane to see a provider when I landed. Mm. And then I did, and they're like, you have to get And then I did just to make sure I wasn't having a heart attack. And I was like, I have a talk. <sighs> and then I was fine and I wasn't having a heart attack. I had to have an adjustment of my medication and then my arm, I had a um, student nurse, so she 
just went to town on my arm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had this like huge bandage on and I went into the talk. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's how, how much and how hard I've been, um, working yeah. just because it's like, okay, I want to be able to buy a home, buy a home. I want to be able to do these. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, you, I am using this temporary sacrifice to get closer to the things that I want to do, but yeah. I'm I definitely in a place where it's like something has to give, yeah. you know, to make it work and you're finding ways to do it <laughs> in a healthier way. And then listeners who are inspired by me, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just in different ways. Um, where it can be uh, healthier and and safer for me yes. to do this work. Yes. Also, just don't be racist. Just don't. If you're a white woman listening, can you stop being racist? <laughs> Please, just stop. And then you're like, I'm not racist. Then look at who you voted for. And then look. Oh, gosh. And yeah. have conversations, conversations about what you are not doing. Mm. Anyway, that's a, that is a whole other episode conversation. <laughs> that's right. That's podcast. right. Um, well, let the folks know how they can find you. Um, you can find me on all the social media platforms. <laughs> well, I, I guess there are many that I, I'm actually not on. So actually, I'm, I'm going to stop saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm on Instagram as at Michelle Kim Kim or on Twitter as at MJ Michelle Kim. I'm also on LinkedIn and I do have a newsletter that I had. I don't send a lot of emails. He's like, huh. I've never gotten anything from Michelle. I um, yeah, I do have one. It's you can find it on my website www.michellemijungkim.com. Yeah, let's stay connected. Yeah. Also, maybe let's buy the book. Oh yes, please buy the book. <laughs> please buy the book and please leave reviews on Amazon, Goodreads, Target, Barnes and Nobles, Audible, Google Books. And wherever you purchase books, please leave a review. I cannot stress the importance of um, buying books from women, particularly women of color, because the publishing industry doesn't necessarily see us. So the more you're talking about what you enjoyed, what you've learned from the book and reviews, purchasing the book, it's a great holiday gift. Um, It is a way to make things easier for whenever I get to write a book. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Yeah, unfortunately. I'll see what, yeah. It is, um, it has been my absolute pleasure and honor to talk to you here in downtown Oakland with the sultry sounds of the city, um, being reminded of how disconnected I am from the city that I love due to the pandemic. So it's great to kind of be back in the space and see what's still open. Yeah. Um, and connect with you. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. So, Um, To you and to all the listeners, remember to keep being amazing. Good stuff, right? You know what you need to do. Download the book. Buy the book. Read an actual paper book. More importantly, go online. Write a comment. Write a review. These things are important for authors, for women, and for BIPOC people. They still need support, and that's a way for you to show up as an ally or as an accomplice by writing a review. Check out our podcast notes where you'll see links to the book and how to buy. And when you can, buy from a local bookstore. There's lots of ways that you can buy books online that still support local businesses. BIPOC, woman-owned, small business, all good stuff. Make sure you do that. I hope you enjoyed the gems you received today. And yes, yes, I missed you too. 
Now, go buy the book because it's holiday season, y'all. Happy holidays and remember keeping amazing. Oh, and remember to like and subscribe. You can also do the same for comments and share and all that fun stuff because I'm trying to get sponsored, y'all. So the more you help and share out there, the more I appreciate it. Okay, bye for reals.